Good morning, Pensacola. Andrew McKay and the Pensacola Morning News starts right now. Well, I'm on my way. I don't know where I'm going. I'm on my way. I'm taking my time, but I don't know where. Goodbye to Rose and the Queen of Corona. See me and Julio down by the schoolyard. Good morning, 811 here on News Radio 92.3. Time for Julio Diaz, who hosts Let's Go Pensacola, 4 o'clock here on Saturdays. And also uh, the Pensacola Movie Club, which he's been doing for so many years. What a great thing they do. And also uh, Pensacon, very uh, key organizer for Pensacon, which just completed. Julio, welcome back to the show. Congratulations on another great Pensacon. Hey, thank you, Andrew. I, I was glad to see you at the, the costume contest. Looks like you were having a good time. Oh yeah, so I love the costume contest. Yeah, no, I lo- that's my favorite part of Pensacon is seeing what all everybody dresses up as. I, I just love that stuff. Um, so yeah, no, very very cool. We got a lot of movies to get to in a short period of time. Let's do our best. Creed three and yeah, uh, another solid entry in this series. I think uh, all three of these movies have been very good. I do think it's been a little bit of diminishing returns. I thought the first one was was really great. I thought the second one was really good. Thought this one was good. Got it. Like it's it's definitely it's definitely a very watchable film. And this is uh, actually Michael B. Jordan directed this one as well as starring in it. This I think is his directorial debut, if I'm not mistaken. And I did like a lot of the choices he made. I thought that the film had a very interesting visual style in particular. So the way some of the fights were shot was really, really interesting. And there were some really good choices and some really good camera work and choreography in there. Uh, where it falls in a little bit for me is the story. I thought the story was a little bit lacking. But, uh, but great performances by the whole cast, not just the uh, characters we've come to know over the series. But Jonathan Majors coming in as a new character in this one. And... Uh, you know, it's it's a very solid and entertaining film. I just didn't feel like it. It just didn't quite resonate as much with me as the the previous one did, and then the first one I thought was you know just fantastic. So. Okay, and it's and it sounds like uh, Michael B. Jordan is showing some flashes of directorial creativity. That it's always good to see that you know when somebody comes to do it, mm-hmm. they're not just doing what can be done. They're they're kind of thinking outside of what's been done before. I like that. Operation Fortune. What is this? Yeah, I, I, to give the full title, Operation Fortune Ruse de Guerre. Uh, this is uh, this is a action with some comedy to it, uh, written and directed by Guy Ritchie. So okay. if you're familiar with Guy Ritchie's work, you kind of know what to expect here. This is actually reuniting him with Jason Statham. A funny movie with great action lot. where I won't be able to understand any of the lyrics? Well, I mean, it's uh, the the cast. I think is going to eliminate some of that from you. Know, like, the, I think that's kind of the knock on the early Guy Ritchie films, where you know it's very, the cast were very British and and other you know UK origin, and you know, maybe didn't that it wasn't as easy for Americans to understand. This this cast, along with Jason Statham, who of course has been a star in the U.S. for like twenty years now, right. uh, you've got uh, a really interesting cast with Aubrey Plaza oh. and Josh Hartnett. Oh. And uh, Carrie Elways, so really cool cast. The reviews are kind of mediocre on this, but I like the trailers. It looks like fun. So if you like this kind of movie, I think you might get this. All one. right. Well, you've talked me back into it. I normally say no to Guy Ritchie movies because I just get angry at not being able to understand them. But that's interesting. All right, Demon Slayer. This is an anime, I assume. Yeah, this is a, a long-running uh, anime series uh, that has now. This is the second, I believe, the second film uh, actually subtitled "To the Swordsmith Village." 
if you uh, if you were at Pensacon this weekend, we had a couple of the Demon Slayer voice actors uh, there, and if you were lucky, you were able to get somewhere near them because they had huge lines. So this is a very very popular series. Uh, and, uh, and, and the actors are very, very popular. So if you're into this stuff, you already know about this stuff. You're going to go, you're going to go check it out. Uh, and there are a lot of people at Benzcon that are into this stuff. Uh, they actually have not, uh, released any reviews for this on, uh, on Rotten Tomatoes as of yet. Uh, but this one's kind of review proof. It's got a, it's got a built-in audience. Right. The last, uh, the last Demon Slayer film also did very well with American audiences. So I think this will too. Well, I know the uh, only person my son cared about meeting was a voice actor from an anime, and he went and paid for an autograph. So uh, I don't know if it was this one, but <laughs> I know that for the fans, it's a big if deal. It was, if it was, yeah, if it was Bryce Pappenbrook, then and they probably that might have been who it was because he had huge lines all weekends. Then yeah, he's he is in Demon Slayer. Um, you also have uh, Children of the Corn. The what? <laughs> How do we have a Children of the Corn yeah. movie coming out in 2023? Because uh, because everything old is new again, okay. basically. All right. uh, but but there are places where that's good, and there are places where that that's bad. Let's be honest. Children with the corn. Children of the corn has never been the best horror movie series in, in history. There's been a lot of bad direct video sequels to this to the original film, and the original film itself wasn't you know that great. It was based on a Stephen King novel, and you know when everything coming out was based on the Stephen King novel. Right. And, uh, you know, this is, they made this three years ago. It's been sitting on a shelf. It's, it's finally trickling out. You know that that usually <laughs> means that the movie's not good. All right. All right. I, yeah. I, I see and, where we're uh, at. Not nine, literally 9% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, all right. So, so that's uh, a no. That's a hard pass. Yeah. All right. Uh, quickly, what are you guys yeah. going to watch next week, if you know? Uh, next week, uh, we've got a couple of choices. Uh, Screen 6 is coming out, speaking of everything old is new again, and also uh, the science fiction movie 65 starring Adam Driver that looks like a lot of fun. Oh, right. So uh, honestly, it depends, on, it depends on whether I get a chance to catch up with Screen 5 before next week or not. I got gotcha. uh, so, you. Yeah, but check out the Pensacola Movie Club on Facebook, and once there's a decision made, you'll see it there. Absolutely. Julio Diaz, you can listen to him at 4 o'clock tomorrow here on News Radio, or uh, as he says, follow the Facebook club, Movie Club and and you can see the movies that they're going to watch. Julio, as always, a pleasure. We'll, we'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks, Andrew. Coming up next, we got the Transgressive Memorial Service for that candy with traffic for you. Right. And uh, watching a bad accident at five points in Pace, uh, Woodbine, and uh, looks like a quintet, five points that is blocked. Emergency crews are on scene. We got a whole bunch of texts about 10 minutes ago that people are calling in. It looks like it is being cleared now. Uh, but still be careful. I, I Maybe avoid that area if you can. That Woodbine and Quintet, again, that's five points. Area and pace blocked with emergency crews on scene. Traffic tips, 437-1620. News Radio 92.3. Informative, local, dependable. What's fun and happening in Pensacola? You'll find out as the City of Pensacola Parks and Recreation Department talks about it here, Pensacola Expert Panel. Join us each month as we detail what's going on in your resource centers, parks, recreation programs, and the Community Maritime Park. It's a great month to get out and play Pensacola. Tune in this morning at 9.30. The Pensacola Expert Panel, 9 to 11 weekdays on News Radio 92.3 AM 1620. When it comes to precious metals, there's only one place to consider, and that is Emerald Coast Coins. They're the local leader in dealing with coins and jewelry. 
gold, silver, diamonds, and sterling silver. Emerald Coast Coins buys, sells, and trades. And for the past 15 years, customers from all over the Gulf Coast have trusted Emerald Coast Coins for the best estimates and prices in town. Stop in today. They're on Creighton Road, right across from Tom Thumb. Emerald Coast Coins. Each Sunday at 7.30 a.m., the Bible Baptist Bookstore of Pensacola, Florida brings you Theological Seminar with teacher Peter S. Ruckman, founder and president of the Pensacola Bible Institute. He will teach you what the Bible says about the subject, not merely what it is presumed to teach. Tune in this Sunday at 7.30 a.m. for Theological Seminar with Dr. Peter S. Ruckman, brought to you by Bible Baptist Bookstore on News Radio 92.3 a.m. 1620. Monday at 10 on the Pensacola Expert Panel. Join Corey McKern, Artistic Director with the Pensacola Opera, as Corey discusses Pensacola Opera's upcoming production of Rodgers and Hammerstein's Carousel. Shows are Friday, March 17th and Sunday, March 19th. Call in or text your questions for Corey, 850-437-1620. That's Monday at 10 on the Pensacola Expert Panel. The Pensacola Expert Panel, 9 to 11 weekdays on News Radio 92.3 AM 1620. All of your local news and talk from dependable host Andrew McKay on your morning drive with Pensacola Morning News 5 to 9 on News Radio 923. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to remember those who have transgressed against the great spirit of inclusion and must henceforth be forever cast into the abyss of dead names. In this moment of our remembrance, we prove with great grief and wailing the sincerity of our noble tolerance. What we once wrongly allowed in the ignorance of white privilege has become the cleansing rite of virtue signaling we use to prove our purity. Join with me now as we remember those we've lost. First, Scott Adams. Duh. We certainly can't allow anyone who calls black people a hate group or advocates for white people separating from them to be allowed to publish completely unrelated cartoons about workplace idiocracy. Not in this land of the tolerant and the home of the obedient, no ma'am. But canceling Scott Adams is only a reminder of how unvigilant we have been about something so deadly serious as the funny pages. In order to avoid this same problem in the future, we offer the following modest reforms for newspaper cartoon sections. First, all cartoonists must take an anti-racism pledge to the effect that they do not now, nor have they ever held or expressed any ideas that are not completely woke. Signatures verbal pledges, or pinky swears shall be acceptable. Second, we want all daily cartoons printed in full color, thus to begin to chip away at the harmful segregationist paradigm embedded in the black and white dichotomy. An additional benefit of colorifying the daily comics page will be to make it harder and harder to find the color white represented anywhere on the page at all. The rainbow does not contain white, remember. These reforms should be good to start, but dear Otherin, it is high time for some serious introspection. In the Rasmussen poll, he who shall no longer be named based his tirade upon, a full 53% of black people indicated they agreed with the statement it's okay to be white. In fact, if we include the uncertains, the number of black people who were open to the possibility that it might be okay to be white rises to a staggering 74%, three quarters. How can it be true that despite our decades of good solid propaganda in television, print, higher and lower education, and corporate sensitivity trainings, that we still have only proselytized 20%, 26% of black people to the truth. I fear we have much more work to be done before we reach the promised land in which everyone realizes that whiteness is not okay. Woe unto all who offend. 
Second, the comics page itself. The more I thought about the horrors of a monster like Scott Adams hiding behind the seeming innocuity of his frontman Dilbert, I realized we really ought to take a more serious look at the cartoons themselves. Toward this end, I strongly recommend we hire some true experts to help clean up our comics page, and who better than the gifted and wise inclusion ambassadors who recently helped modernize the Roll Doll books? Even without the sage guidance of the non-binary, asexual, polyamorous relationship anarchist project manager, we see some problems ourselves. First, Beetle Bailey must go. Although one might argue that showing military members in such a buffoonish and inept light is actually useful for de-idolizing the war machine, we believe that simply showing military uniforms on the comics page has a dangerously humanizing effect on readers. If representation of oppressed minorities is good, de-representation of those who serve the military-industrial complex is imperative. Also, uniforms are scary, just like Sarge. But this is just one illustration of the danger of illustrations. Consider Family Circus and its breeder-centrism, offering up reproduction and siblingism within an intact heterosexual marriage as a healthy lifestyle? Surely you see the evil here. The same can be said about Dennis the Menace, Baby Blues, Zitz, and High and Lois. Yes, Blondie does a fairly good job of emasculating Dagwood as a good feminist would, but it still perpetuates both monogamy and the outmoded physical beauty ideals of a bygone era. One must sincerely ask why Blondie has no girthy girlfriends. Then B.C. B.C.? Do I really need to explain the unacceptability of this Christocentric time reference as a comic strip title? Shoo. Dangerously affirms both alcoholism and questioning authority, and though it might not seem obvious at first with Garfield, Peanuts, and Mutts on the page, but where is the representation of undomesticated animals? What about snakes, whales, insects, fungi? The only non-humans allowed to be represented are the ones who serve humans? What flagrant speciesism. For all the talk of inclusion from major newspaper publishers, the comics page itself is remarkably human-centric, white, and heteronormative. There's much work for the inclusion ambassadors to be done here. Woe unto all who offend. And finally, I'd like to praise the fine work being done, albeit inadvertently, by Florida's Republican State Senator Blaze Angolia, who this week filed a bill declaring that no political party in the state of Florida shall be certified if it has ever advocated for slavery in its platform, as the Democrat Party did from 1844 to 1864. Now, clearly the senator meant this as a point of satire directed at our religion's devout commitment to eradicating Confederate monuments and personages. He even admitted as much on Twitter. But need we explain that removing the enduring reminders of past offenses is no laughing matter? But rather than reject Angolia's ham-fisted and unfunny joke of a bill, we embrace it and hear the juicy center of hurtfulness contained inside the clumsy shell of this legislation. He's right. We should most definitely cancel our own Democratic Party and start over afresh. As Horton's fifth corollary on historic assessment reminds us, a transgression's a transgression no matter how small or how far in the past. Our own doctrines on critical race theory teach that America's built on the rotted core of slavery and therefore cannot be salvaged. If we are to have any credibility at all in next season's wholly televised culture wars, we should act now to purge ourselves of this embarrassment. Besides, we really shouldn't call ourselves Democrats anyhow, since we most certainly do not believe that truth comes from a majority of the people. Literally every subsequent cause we champion pertains to fewer and fewer actual people and offers support for ever more unpopular ideas. 
When we started advocating for gay marriage, nobody believed in it. When we started working on transgender justice, even fewer people were with us. In every endeavor, we are the righteous fewer and fewer working to show the masses how wrong they've always been. Eliminating meat from our diets, taxing carbon, regulating cow farts, banning Dr. Seuss and deleting Aunt Jemima. The masses laughed at all of this insanity in the beginning, and now these things are canon. So yes, let us throw off the embarrassing legacy of being Democrats and embrace a new identity with a new name such as the Unpopulists, or the New Puritans, or maybe the Extremocrats. We don't have to decide today. We're still a work in progress. Bear with us. Woe unto all who offend. Woe unto all who offend. And now, with these cleansing rites performed, may we all go forth in loving tolerance and microaggress no more. Woe unto all who offend. Woe unto all who offend. 827 here on News Radio 92.3. I'm Andrew McKay. It's the Pensacola Morning News, and sometimes I play a guy. Uh, <laughs> candy has traffic for us. The extremocrat wants you to know <laughs> that extreme. Really, dude? Um, <laughs> great, great, the great transgressors. We can't look at each other when he does it because I cry <laughs> laughing so hard. Woodbine and Quintet showing a horrible roadblock. That's five points in pace. Vehicle crash with injuries. Lots of emergency crews on scene. This happened about 20 minutes ago. I know they're working on getting, getting that cleaned up uh, right now. Taking a look on 29. Uh, they're just uh, north of I-10, uh, Chippewa Way and Shear Street, which is just off 29, showing an accident, uh, and that's clear. And then Terra Dawn Circle and Senegal Drive in Pensacola, right below that. That roadway is clear, too. But just a few accidents this morning. Wind advisory. I think that's until noon today. Caution wherever you are. Traffic tips, 437-1620. News Radio 92.3. Informative, local, dependable. Thanks so much, Candy. Now to the newsroom where David Wayne has our headlines. David? We should learn this hour how long Alex Murdaugh is going to be behind bars. The uh, former attorney facing 30 years to life in prison without parole. He was found guilty of murdering his family yesterday. A former Homeland Security Department official now voicing concerns about a famous environmental activist being included apparently in a terrorism warning. Aaron Brockovich was named in a report uh, by the Ohio Statewide Terrorism and Crime Center Analysis Unit. She's planning to visit East Palestine. The report warned that her visit could increase tensions in the community. And the defense contractor who leaked a government study of the Vietnam War says he's now dying of pancreatic cancer. Daniel Ellsberg. Elserg's leak of the Pentagon Papers uh, to the press in 1971 led to protests and calls to end the conflict. Yesterday, the 91-year-old tweeted he's now been diagnosed with inoperable pancreatic cancer. He's been given three to six months to live. Wow, yeah, Daniel Ellsberg is a major figure in history. I can't believe they designated Aaron Brockovich a terrorist. That's, yeah, it's that's God, beyond that's, comprehension. Did, didn't but, she spark your? Didn't you think of her when you saw that? Like it's like I all I yeah, see yeah, her is yeah. like here we brought this water fresh in for you. Yeah, right. You know, and, that scene. Well, I mean, and you know, here's my suspicion: is it probably somebody working the the terrorist watch list or whatever is like 28 or 22 or an intern and is probably never heard of Aaron Brockovich at all, and so didn't even think like the kind of thing that you would take for granted if you were 50 and you were aware. You know, they probably didn't even cross their mind, and so it just didn't even get filtered through. You know, they didn't even raise the question, oh, well, maybe not this person. Maybe that's going to be bad for us if we do that. All right. David, thanks so much for the update. Oh, I have good news that for the whole week I have failed to tell you about. 
it's it's cool small news, but it's good. Um, you, you guys know, having another baby? No. At the uh, the Triumph Branch Library that's had the pirate ship has yeah. been closed for like a year because some of the boards were rotting and it was not a safe structure for kids to play on. It's back open. Yay. I went by there like on Monday, uh, maybe even on Saturday and saw it and I'm like, oh, and I posted a video and I did a thing where I kind of like, because I had shared it somewhere, I forgot that I hadn't shared it on the radio. And so, you know, there you go. The pirate ship at the Triumph Branch is back open. The kids were playing on it. I actually had some, you know, a little bit of audio interaction with the kids or how much they love it. So just, it's, you That's know, great. cool little things like that make me happy. This is a Fox News alert. I'm Chris Foster. Alec Murdoch's back in a South Carolina courtroom this morning facing 30 years to life in prison for his wife and son's murder. It took the jury under three hours to convict juror Craig Moyer. Everybody was pretty much talking. And... About 45 minutes later, we, after all our deliberating, we figured it out. He was on ABC. President Biden says he would not veto legislation to overturn a Washington, D.C. crime bill. The District of Columbia City Council passed a new crime bill that would reduce some penalties and expand jury trials for misdemeanors. The mayor vetoed it once, but the council overrode the veto. Then more than 30 Democrats joined Republicans in the House, passing a resolution to undo the D.C. crime bill. President Biden tweeted he can't support certain elements of it. Fox Jessica Rosenthal, some House Democrats say the president's betraying them here. America's listening to Fox News. Good morning, 831 News Radio 92.3. I'm David Wayne. Right now, 76 degrees in Pensacola. Florida Power and Light now filing a plan to reduce fuel charges for their customers. This could partially offset an increase in bills that's set to take effect in, in the next month. The plan would reduce fuel charges by $379 million starting in May, and that's in addition to another fuel cost reduction filed uh, in January. That should amount to about $4.43 on a typical bill with 1,000 kilowatt hours. This comes after the company filed for a rate increase in January to recover costs from hurricanes last year. Well, they say they're trying to make their payments, but who do they pay? That's what customers at American Car Center, a buy-here-pay-here style dealership with locations across the southeast, one here in Pensacola, are now saying the company went out of business this week. Now hundreds of customers don't know what to do to make their payments. The online and phone systems have quit working. If you make attempts to make a payment and you're unsuccessful, keep a record of those attempts. That way, if there's ever a question later, why was your car payment late? Why didn't you make the payment? You have very clear documentation of the attempts you made, the phone numbers you called, the websites you went to. Local attorney Rachel Gilmer with Levin Papantonio Rafferty, and she says it's likely another financial company will step in and take over those payments eventually. A high school student has been arrested after deputies found a gun and marijuana in his vehicle at the Baldwin County High School campus. Baymanette police say that a uh, school administrator was told that the student had marijuana on school grounds. The administrator and school resource officer questioned the teen, who was reportedly cooperative, allowed them to search his vehicle. The marijuana and a handgun were both found during that search. The teen is now charged with possession of a deadly weapon on school premises and unlawful possession of marijuana as well. The student was taken to the Baldwin County Jail where he's being held on $11,000 bond and school officials say there were no threats made against anybody at the Baldwin County High School. The U.S. Coast Guard cutter is now decommissioned. A ceremony was held at NAS Pensacola yesterday for the decisive, a 210-foot Reliance-class cutter. 
It's been in service here in our area for 55 years now. The cutter uh, serves the area and also uh, during Hurricane Katrina or shortly after Hurricane Katrina, it served as the uh, tactical command for the Mississippi Coastal Recovery. The decisive is now being sent to the Coast Guard Yard in Baltimore for its final disposition. An Escambia County man accused of beating up another man and taking his disability check money. According to an arrest report, the victim in this case had just cashed his disability check, went to uh, 39-year-old Jeffrey Wolf's home to see if he needed help with his finances. The victim says that's when Wolf attacked him and said he would be taking all of the money. A witness told deputies that that's what she saw. Uh, Wolf is being charged with robbery and battery. He's being held on $10,500 bond at the Escambia County Jail. And another lucky scratch-off ticket here in Pensacola. Janice Ryan has claimed a $1 million prize. This is from the $50 500 times the cash scratch-off game. There have been several of these winners around uh, around our area here in the last several months to a year. Uh, Janice Ryan says she bought her ticket at the Lucky Penny over on West Fairfield. The store is going to collect a $2,000 bonus. Ryan took her winnings as a lump sum payment of $820,000. Congratulations going out to her. 835 at News Radio. Let's get a look at our traffic on the fives with Candy. I was going to say, that's our Lucky Penny. That's over there near us. Uh, Woodbine and Quintet Road showing a bad vehicle crash at five points in pace. Injuries, roadblock, emergency crews on scene. They're working on clearing that up. Uh, certainly use caution. Traffic tips text 437-1620. This is brought to you by Discover. Discover credit cards do something awesome. And at the end of your first year, they automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you earn doubled. See terms and check it out for yourself. Discover.com slash match. Traffic tips, text 437-1620. News Radio 92.3. Informative, local, dependable. We're going to be seeing some showers and thunderstorms throughout the morning hours. 50% chance of rain through the first part of the day. High near 79 degrees for your afternoon. And then temperatures drop overnight into the 50s, 57 degrees for your low. For Saturday, sunshine will return to the region. We are going to be seeing a high near 76 degrees. Saturday night, temperatures dropping near 55. Beautiful weather Sunday with plenty of sunshine, high near 75 degrees. This is Brooke Richardson from the First Morning Weather Center. Thank you very much, Brooke. 76. It's windy out there right now. 76 in Pensacola, 75 in Gulf Breeze, and 75 in Milton as well. Join Bob Burgi, Senior Wealth Advisor of Alpha Star Wealth Management, Monday at 9 on News Radio 923 for Your Money Matters on the Pensacola Expert Panel. Remember, it's not about what you make, it's about what you keep and eventually pass on to the folks you love. Learn how to take financial control, avoid unnecessary taxes, and combat the latest threats to your retirement savings. Bob will be taking your calls and questions Monday at 9 with Alpha Star Wealth Management on the Pensacola Expert Panel. The Pensacola Expert Panel, 9 to 11 weekdays on News Radio 923 AM 1620. As a small business owner, what keeps you up at night? Just knowing if your email got hacked or your phone system went down, it could cost you thousands in revenue as well as your reputation. That's where Data Revolution comes in with their unique position to take care of you and your business IT support, phone systems, cybersecurity, and more. Secure it and sleep better at night by going to datarevs.com. Winner of the 2021 Best of the Bay for IT support, datarevs.com. And your money now. The market's opening up this morning at the opening bell. The Dow Jones up 68.54, The S&P 500 up 17.39 at 39.98.74. And the NASDAQ up this morning 65 points at 11.527.98. 
The Justice Department launching a new effort to go after companies that evade sanctions and other crimes that they say threaten national security. Deputy Attorney General Lisa Monaco said Thursday that more and more corporate criminal investigations are carrying, quote, profound national security investigations. Nordstrom planning to close all of its Canadian stores. They'll be laying off thousands of people as well. The retail giant has 13 stores in Canada, including six luxury department stores and seven Nordstrom racks. And Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg and his wife, Dr. Priscilla Chan, are investing $250 million to create a biomedical research facility in Chicago. Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker also says that the state is chipping in $25 million to support that project. It's 838 News Radio 923. Your next news at 9, breaking news anytime it happens. I'm David Wayne, and this is News Radio 923, informative, local, dependable. What is News Radio 923? Informative, local, and dependable news from WEAR TV and the News Radio News team. Informative, local, and dependable talk with Andrew McKay, Jenna Barr, and Bobby Rossi. Informative, local, and dependable traffic with traffic on the fives during your morning and afternoon drive. Informative, local, and dependable weather. Informative, local, and dependable coverage of breaking news and when disasters strike. That's what News Radio 923 is. Informative, local, dependable. I will definitely call you back later then. Come on, wrap it up. Big shark it up. Okay, you know what? Wrap up the circle thing. Come on. Commissioner Parker, wrap it up, please. Okay. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. Wrap it up. That's a wrap. It is Friday morning at 8.39, and it's time to have a couple of friends uh, in the studio so we can talk about the things that have happened this week. Uh, I wound up getting super lucky. I I never really intentionally schedule guests based on the news of the week. I'm just kind of always thinking about who would work well together and that kind of stuff. And um, But today I happen to get super lucky because we have um, big education topics to talk about, and we happen to have uh, Connor Mann in studio who ran for District 1 unsuccessfully against Kevin Adams and the school board, and uh, also Lee Hansen, who has been a teacher, has run an uh, educational organization. She's a retired captain in the Navy, a pilot, um, but also she was a, a candidate for District 3 school board and was actually the, the District 3 school board member for a brief time uh, when the governor had to replace Linda Moultrie, who stepped down. So, uh, Connor and Lee, welcome back to The Wrap. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. It's you. great. So let's get into the education stuff. As you well know, we are right now in the middle of a... Uh, well, a kerfuffle, maybe, I would say, as uh, you know, my boss actually described it to me, and I think that's accurate. Uh, we have questions about whether Tim Smith is going to keep his job as a superintendent. We have questions about you know where education in the county is going. We uh, have now, you know, Michelle Salzman has written a letter in which she uh, requested him to resign. And in the middle of all this, we have a conversation about whether we should go back to or at least consider having a vote to go back to an elected rather than an appointed superintendent. Now, you both have a lot of thoughts about this. Um, let's start with the question of Tim Smith. Um, and, you know, feel free to be as diplomatic or undiplomatic as you like. Do you think he's the right person right now? Connor? Yeah, so I personally don't think Tim Smith is uh, the right person right now. Uh, just because there has been some controversial things. I mean, you had the the CRT, the critical race theory video, that uh, that whole debacle, I believe it was two years ago. Um, and then at the beginning of this year, you know, you had the rights and responsibilities uh, question with the uh, suicide uh, thing that went out to elementary school kids. And I have a niece that's in um, Jim Allen Elementary. 
you know, she got that question and then her mom had to sit her down and actually explain what that was, mm. um, which should have never been a conversation that ha had to happen. Right. Um, but I think at going, that age, at that age, absolutely. Right. Um, but I think going down uh, back to the appointed versus elected at the end of the day, it boils down to we had that right. But as of Scambia County, we decided that we needed to give that right away and go appointed. Um, so now we tr entrust our school board members to make tough decisions. They have to make the tough decision here. Um, they shouldn't just push it back to the voters because they don't want to make tough decisions or just create another elected spot for them to be able to jump to after their time as school board member is over. Um, because, you know, there's a couple bills trying to get more term limits and recall uh, county commissioners. Um, I'm sure school board members will probably follow with that. Um, either way, uh, I, I think they're just pushing the buck and passing it down the road uh, so they don't have to make tough decisions like uh, they did. You know, that's that's an interesting point. I hadn't been thinking about the term limits implications here. That's now 12 for school board, and there's a bill filed to make it eight, just like, you know, eight for county commissioners. And, you know, somebody – and our, look, several of our school board members have been school board members for a long time at – problem that you see around the state essentially and you might they might well be thinking well once that gets in place i've got eight more years and where do i go oh well if we have an elected superintendent you know <laughs> that becomes an option for me as a poise as a, and with name recognition and all lee your thoughts back to the base question is tim the right person for us right now well the base question i guess is um i don't think we have seen him long enough to know um, and I'll, what I'll say is that when he was appointed, um, he did exactly what I would have done in that position, in that he put together all the stakeholders, he developed with them a strategic plan. Think of it, his two years have been COVID, they have been everything turned upside down. You know, you can't just teach school anymore, you have to know who can go into what bathroom and um, who can do what and what books we can have. And, and there's so many different things going on. And I would say, you know, people say that there are, there are issues in the classroom. People are not happy teaching. It's hard to get teachers today. Mm -hmm. um, so that's everywhere. And so there is this sort of malaise that I think has, has, come across the entire country and no matter whether you're talking about a school district or a big corporation I think people are just sick and tired of being sick and tired you yeah. know it's like everyone is pissed off about everything yeah and so sometimes when that happens all you can do is take care of your own little bubble and as a teacher take care of your classroom and your students and uh, but I don't envy him I really don't envy him because this is a really hard time to do anything, to try to run anything. Yeah, and, and you know, it's, it's a, a huge job. And it's a good point. It's uh, one that uh, also Alex Andrade had made basically that um, I, more on the topic of whether to go back to an elected superintendent. But the same holds true is, you know, uh, two years is not a lot of time to evaluate the structure. It's not a lot of time to evaluate a person. And it's also particularly not a lot of time to evaluate a person under a brand new structure and in this particularly right. horrific circumstances of dealing with COVID-19, managing education remotely and, if I and all of that. Yeah, go on. Jump in. I am a big proponent of the appointed school superintendent. And, I, and my, well, we'll, my, we'll come back. We'll, we're okay. going to take a quick break and we'll okay. come back and talk about that because I think that's interesting as well. I, I, I would say this. The one thing about Tim Smith that it's, I would say it's going to sound controversial, but I don't think that it is. 
if we went to an elected superintendent, I do not think he would be able to win the election, not because he's not the right person, but because his demeanor is not that like strong, outgoing, garrulous, you know, he's not a Malcolm Thomas type. And I think that, you know, pretty much you have to be that in order to be a countywide elected official to some degree. And, um, you know, that's not a reflection on his capabilities as an administrator or as an appointed. It's just that in an election environment, we wouldn't have elected a Tim Smith because elections look for different things a lot of the time. We're going to take a quick break. we got traffic on the fives now with Candy. Uh, Woodbine and Quinsat, five points in pace, is blocked, and it looks like emergency crews are on scene. Accident on Highway 90, also in Milton. This is near Grover Tees. That's west of Avalon. Doesn't look like a roadblock, though, but certainly use caution wherever you are. Single lane traffic on Lillian, Lillian between Blue Angel and 98. Uh, great view, but stop and go as they work on the road this morning. Traffic tips, tax 437-1620. News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. If you've got a business, you got into business because you thought you'd be good at it, right? Whatever the thing is you do, whether it's medical or construction or HVAC or IT, you like doing that stuff. You think you can do it better, cheaper, you know, faster than the competition. So you start a business, then it grows, and then you get employees. And then you discover that there are parts of running a business that are not exactly what you had dreamed of, you know, managing health insurance, figuring out which is the best life or disability policy, uh, human resources management, payroll, all of that stuff that is essential to running a business, but isn't really the fun stuff. So here's what happens. You start to work on that. It's irritating. You don't like to think about it, but you have to. What do you do? Well, you call Torgus and Causey. They are a comprehensive employee benefits agency. They can manage that stuff for you. They can operate it for you. They can, at the very least, help you figure out if you're giving your employees the best options for all of these things. I know because about five years ago, we started with them here at um, uh, News Radio and Cat Country, and they have been great. I mean, genuinely great, easy to work with. I know, you know, my wife likes options, and, you know, so we have them now. It's fantastic. Locally owned and operated for 20-plus years. Give them a call and find out whether they might be able to help you do your stuff better. 433-9996 for Torgerson Causey, or check them out online at tcbenefitsgroup.com. As she stared at me through the window, I realized the time we spent in the backyard on her trailer just wasn't fulfilling. We used to have so much fun on the water. I just couldn't crank her up. But Key Marine did. Fun days on the bay are back. And my Yamaha outboard runs better than ever. Key Marine gets the work done and lets you handle the fun. Key Marine, your Yamaha outboard dealer on Bower Road in Pensacola. Google Key Marine or find them on Facebook. As a business owner, you have a lot on your plate. Managing staff, growing your business, training new hires and more. With so much going on, you need Avalon. An IRS certified PEO, Avalon HR can help from running your payrolls, submitting state and federal taxes, helping with COVID employee retention credits, workers' compensation insurance, employee benefits, and HR expertise. Avalon HR lets you focus on your core business while we handle the rest. Avalon HR, employing made easy. Stream us online at newsradio923.com or download the News Radio Pensacola app.
Good morning, 849 here on News Radio 923, informative, local, dependable. I'm Andrew McKay. It's the Pensacola Morning News and the wrap, which means I got a couple of friends here in studio with me, both of whom were candidates for school board in Escambia County. One who served a, a brief time as she was the um, replacement by the governor for Linda Moultrie in District 3. That's Lee Hansen. Connor Mann ran for District 1 against Kevin Adams. He did not win that election. Um, and so we've been talking a little bit about education issues, which are obviously front of mind right now. Uh, I said, wait till after the break. Here we are after the break. Lee, uh, you're a big advocate of the appointed rather than the elected superintendent. Your thoughts? Correct. Um, I have three major reasons. The first is that when you have an appointed superintendent, you open the, the possibility of getting the right person to the entire population of the United States, maybe even further. So you have a much broader group from which to choose. Second, As opposed to somebody who basically knows Escambia County. Right. right. Second is that, and you mentioned this before, just because somebody has the skill to campaign well doesn't mean they have the skill to run a very large organization. The Escambia County Public Schools very large organization and you have to be good at it. And the third and probably most important to me at least is as a former naval officer, you have to have a chain of command. Mm -hmm. When you have all elected officials, you have an elected superintendent, you have elected board members, who works for whom? Mm -hmm. There is no chain of command. There's no there's no boss there, and then the, you have the the uh, board that has difficulty because they're not allowed to talk to each other mm -hmm. because of sunshine. So there's there's a real tension there. So those are my my big three, but it really does with an appointed superintendent. It really does make it incumbent upon us as voters to put the right people on the school board because they have their jobs are much more important. Right, because they are making, I mean, any time they're making decisions about what the Correct. superintendent, uh, well, the, whether that person will even continue in the job, which Correct. is, I, I agree with you, Connor. One of the things that we've seen in this recent uh, discussion is, you know, look, if, if people are frustrated with Tim Smith, if the school board is unhappy with Tim Smith, well, that is literally their job to yeah, either right. guide him, discipline him, or terminate him and find right. somebody else. I mean, that is exactly what the job is now. And I think to some degree, you know, they were... All, I guess, yeah, they were all holdovers from the old old way of doing things. And when the school board didn't have much power, it's right. very easy to kind of keep not having power right. under a new regime yeah. where you really right. do have a substantially greater amount of power, right? Right, absolutely. Well, I couldn't agree more with the, with the appointed versus elected. You know, in 2018, I definitely was a proponent of keeping elective because I, I like rights, mm -hmm. like every American. And uh, my right, I don't want it, like to give my rights away. But uh, now that we have the appointed superintendent, I couldn't agree more. I mean, uh, we get we do have a larger pool to pull from, and we don't need someone that grew up in the bubble of Justice Gamia County. Um, our appointed superintendent has term limits, per se. It is the school board going and saying, okay, you've had your time, you haven't performed well, and so you need to get out, mm. right? If we get an elected official in there, they're stuck in there for four years. Um, if they, they could get in there, and for four years they could ruin and push our school board into the ground. And, I mean, that's their elected right. Um, we don't have recall votes on superintendents, and um, they could get in there and mess the whole thing up. So right now I think as a, as a Scamia County constituents, we need to go to our school board members and let them know how we feel about Dr. Timothy Smith. And if we think he is underperforming or if we think he's doing a great job, we need to let them know and then we need to hold them 
um, to what the majority of Escambia County wants, because that's what they're elected to do. You know, it's it's a very uh, sort of philosoph- as a you know poli sci and philosophy. That's me. That's mm-hmm. my background. And so I think about things like you know the presidency, right? And we have a separation of powers between the legislative and the executive branch. Uh, and in the state, you know, we have the uh, the state house and the state senate, and then we have obviously the administrative, the executive branch with the governor. Um, and then here in local government, we don't do it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have, for example, the county commission. Right, the county commission uh, hires the executive in both counties. On the other hand, the city council, <laughs> you have elected city council and you have an elected mayor. Uh, and now with school board, we had elected city uh, county, uh, elected school board and elected um, superintendent. Now we have an appointed. It can be done both ways. Right. But I'll tell you the thing that uh, for me historically, I've always thought I, I'm not a fan of direct election of the president. Frankly, I, I. I like the old, old, old system. I like the, hey, your state legislators are going to pick electors, and they're going to go based on the people they know and the knowledge that they have. They're going to pick the best person to administer the country. I prefer that because I think we get better presidents that way. But there's a lot of backstory argument to be had about which one is really going to produce the best result. And I, you know, I I just basically think it's too soon. It's just too soon to be making these decisions. And I would say that for the for the folks that say we got to get rid of this system, we got to go back to the way it was. Was it so perfect? (laughs) Yeah, right. You know, did Dr. Smith come into a situation where everybody was up and running at full speed? No. Yeah, the the good old days of three years ago. I mean, you know, but but again, I mean, things were improving, like the graduation rate. But man, it's so hard to separate out what's happened the last two years from what had been happening from what covid caused right it's it's just it's almost impossible to figure out you know if we'd have had two clean years of normal operations and things were going very poorly that'd be one thing but we don't have that as a track right. record right yeah absolutely and going back even to dr timothy smith if he if he had to run a superintendent election you know he doesn't have the corrupt uh you know political powers of scambia county behind his back so he's not going to win in the first place <laughs> well, that, Ouch. You know, well i mean <laughs> okay. i i think i think connor speaks not only for himself <laughs> i think there's a lot of people who think that the network the money that all of the who you know you know one of the one of the advantages of bringing somebody in from the outside is they're not beholden to all of that mm-hmm. uh they maybe don't know all of that i, I know one of the other things that uh, people have been talking about is well, with some of the points you mentioned earlier about some of the, the gaffes or mistakes, um, is that a byproduct of not hiring somebody who's really sort of politically, morally conservative enough to fit the area, you know, which if they come from elsewhere in the state, maybe you don't succeed at getting that. Is that a right representation for Escambia County? Also, you have the issue of pay. Are we offering enough pay to get the best? Admin- I mean, we need a really good right. administrator, a really sharp professional you know, are we paying enough to get what we really need in the county? Uh, we'll come back to that in a second. Candy's got traffic on the fives. Bad accident and pace at five points. Uh, Woodbine, of course, uh, it looks like uh, they are cleaning it up. They're doing the best they can, but emergency crews are on scene. That is Woodbine and Quintet. Five points and pace. It's blocked. Accident on Highway 90 near Grover Tees. Uh, that's west of Avalon, but it has been moved off to the side. 437-1620 if you have traffic tips. News Radio 92.3 Informative, local, dependable. Thanks so much, Candy. So um, back to Connor Mann and Lee Hansen who are here in studio with me are we paying enough do we are we offering enough money to get the the right person to run the school district lee i don't know okay i really don't know um i, I would say that uh, you know when i look across the entire district i know that a lot has been done to raise teacher pay to you right. know to, by the to state, give sure, incentives yeah. right i would say it's more than just 
pay. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. That if I was if I was paid a hundred thousand dollars to be a school teacher, and children were spitting on me and throwing desks at me, I would say no, thank you. Right. Um, so I, that discipline issue and the respect. Um, in the olden days, teachers were respected, and so now, um, you know, we don't, not only do we not respect them, but we don't respect administrators, and we don't respect superintendents, and everybody is there to tell you how horrible you are, and <laughs> right. um, willing to point out all faults. Um, so I think it, it's more than just pay, but I honestly don't know. I don't know what other superintendents are paid no and that's uh, you know and, and, and you know the good old days of respect for authority 30 40 years ago not the good old days of three years ago necessarily right. but but i also i think you bring up a good point that as much as it's hard to separate out covid from everything else it's hard to separate out things like the labor supply shortage and the shortage Absolutely. of teachers and if you just can't get bus drivers and teachers then you have larger classrooms maybe you argue then you have less effective teachers and all of the cascade of effects related to Absolutely. all of the things bundled up with covid Connor, is pay an issue here? You know, uh, so we're asking them to do an impossible job, right? Escambia County is not the bright, shining school district of America, right? We, we know this. It's not even the bright, shining star of Florida. Right. Um, so I think, you know, regardless of pay, we need to get – we need to be able to have that bigger pool to pull from. Um but I have an idea. How about we just take all the school board salaries, um, <laughs> all of their pension, everything they get, and how about we give it to the superintendent or or, or maybe teachers? give them halvesies? You yeah. know, go half. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We can give it to teachers and uh, and staff in our schools, and I think that'll solve. Then Kevin problem. Adams yeah. just dropped his food. So, uh, <laughs> which is you know, hey, uh, all, you know, all options on the table. Well, I know we kind of focused on uh, a, a particular topic today instead of hitting everything, but I thought it was important, especially given you guys' background and you know a lot of good conversation, really good insight. I appreciate it. Um, you know, Connor, uh, Lee, you know, great to have you in studio. You guys are always really good guests for the wrap. Thank Thanks, Thanks for so much. <laughs> have a fantastic weekend. We'll see y'all on Monday. Uh, I'm Andrew McKay for News Radio 92.3.